Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and to honor alienated parents on International Parental Alienation Awareness Day, Epiphany Awaits is offering a faith-based retreat for alienated parents with both in-person and a Zoom option on April 23rd through the 20th. 5th, 2021 at the Resolution Center in Jacksonville, Florida. For a weekend of support for the journey with speakers including Dr. Mark Roseman and other professionals who are focused on guidance, friendship, and compassion. It's free on Sunday the 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Zoom and is available for purchase after that date for $24.99. Scholarships are available and you can register with epiphaniesawait at gmail.com. That's E-P-I-P-H-A-N-I-E-S-A-W-A-I-T at gmail.com. So I have on my podcast, I'm happy to have Trish Geis back on with her son, Ty. So we're going to have ourselves a conversation. So welcome, Trish and Ty. Hello. Nice to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. <laughs> yes, great to be back. Yes. So um, you're going to give us some insight here on um, parenting and parental alienation and how it has affected your family. And um, yes. I don't know if, if Ty wants to go first or if you want to go first. I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, defer to mom. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know how you want to begin. You want to ask? Yeah. Um, well, I just thought you know it would be interesting to to talk with Ty. Um, you know, I know my perspective, and I know what it was like as a parent, and trying to do the best I could at the time. I know better now. There are some things that I could have done differently, but you only know what you know at the time. And, uh, um, you know, certain things like, you know, I could talk about a little bit more later, but understanding what my triggers are. And it's one thing to be a mama bear, but sometimes you can go too far. And we discussed with my son and daughter a little bit for that last night too, where you sometimes have to let them fail, but also do things themselves and, and kind of push them out of the nest a bit. And I don't think I was quite adept at that. I would have liked to have been a bit better at that. But, you know, um, but what I'm really interested in now and in, with working with clients as well, too, is to give people the perspective of what it's like as a child. I don't think we can make any difference in the court system or in the system anywhere unless we understand what it's really like for a child. Because, you know, we understand from a psychological, theoretical point of view, and mm -hmm. we're trying to give people advice, like, you know, myself with clients or, or judges and lawyers, but I'm not so sure how many times people that have been alienated have been able to voice their opinion and have been able to voice what their experience was like. And so, you know, Ty, Ty and I have had a few discussions, but I just thought, and he was more than willing to, to come on and thought we could talk about what it was like, but also if there's anything that he would like parents to know or kids to know or judges to know or anyone in the industry that to give us a bit of wisdom as to, what it's like, but also what we can do differently. And because and, sometimes you think you're doing the best thing, but uh, unless you're in their shoes, you really don't know until later. And then, you know, I don't want people to have to undo that damage on top of the damage of alienation as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Ty, you know, what do you want to tell us about, um, you know, have you been in a courtroom? No. No, you haven't. Okay. Have you ever had to talk no, to a judge? No. No? Okay. 
So you don't do that over there in Canada? No, we typically don't. It's, it's usually frowned upon. They, um, what we'll do often in, in Alberta is, and that's something we did as a family, is voice of a child. We do have um, guardian of items up here too, but and that's my ex-husband had wanted that, which is, as we know, a, a lawyer for the children. I, I didn't feel it was appropriate and the judge agreed, so we didn't go that route. Um, we went through the voice of a child, which I'm not sure if they have in your jurisdiction or not. No, mm -hmm. uh, essentially what it is, is um, a, an expert psychologist who works in this industry of parental alienation and, and uh, divorce, uh, sits and talks with the mother, the father separately, and each of the children separately, and goes through a variety of questions. And it's not meant to do a custody evaluation whatsoever. They will not speak to the judge and give any recommendations regarding that. It's simply to understand truly the voice of a child. And because you know the law now allows the children at a very young age to have a voice. But what they say is it's a voice, not a choice, because they find that too many times that's misinterpreted and then a child will say, a child will either because they want to or because they are coerced into saying, I want to live with mom or dad and not the other. Mm -hmm. And as we know that, you know, that's not mentally, that's not the best decision for them to be making. And typically, as we know, too, even horribly physically or sexually abused children typically don't shun one parent over the other. They don't even shun the abuser. So when that happens, there's something going on. So the psychologist will look at uh, whether it's voice of a child or voice of a dad or voice of a mom is what ends up happening. And that's what we did as a family. And based on that, our judge um, indicated that there was parental alienation going on. And uh, I did not share that information with my children, nor did my ex-husband, to my knowledge. Uh, the judge ruled our parent coordinator was to communicate that, and then he did to our children. Mm -hmm. How long did this whole process go on for you all? It started uh, February 2017, and then Ty turned 18 this year, so uh, almost four years. Mm. Okay. Um, now, as far as, okay, I guess I'm asking Ty. <laughs> um, do you have other friends at school that, I mean, have gone through this parental alienation? Do you talk to friends that have this going on as well not really like most uh most people i've there's quite a bit of people that have been divorced like their parents are divorced but they don't really talk about it so it's kind of hard to get that out of them mm -hmm. so they're pretty quiet they don't say if there's any like bad mouthing you like if if mom or dad is bad mouthing each other you know in not, front of not the... really no okay hmm okay so when you know, did you ever feel alienation coming on? Did you feel that happening? Not really, no. It's kind of just, I just kind of went along with the flow. Like I didn't, didn't really think too much of it. So you kind of blew it off as far as, you know, if someone was making a, a bad comment about the other parent, you just, just went in one ear and out the other? Well, I think most of the time, like, throughout my childhood it's it's been back and forth through the parents but it's been through the, the kids mm -hmm. and so I've I've had to learn to just like keep that down I just I just keep a secret because I don't want it. when I when I would tell one side um one side something the other side said it would just it would end up blowing up so I just I just didn't say anything and then mm -hmm. I just I had to let it go because otherwise it would just it would hurt me more so mm -hmm. 
do you... and that's exactly what I was. If I can jump, sorry, may I oh, go right ahead. Second? That's that's the one mistake I made. I now know is that um, I wanted the kids to come to me, and they did. And um, I made the mistake of when they talked to me about things. Um, I would speak to their father because I was under the impression that uh, I was still under the delusion that if I spoke to him and showed him that this is not healthy, you know, simple things like allowing the children to move their items back and forth between houses. I had no clue at the time that that would make it hard for the children. I now know that was probably the worst thing I could have done. Um, I, I recognize that over time, but it took me a long time to realize that because I, you know, I thought, of course, he might be upset with me, but he wouldn't uh, hurt the children. And so, but then I, I also didn't think until a, a little while back, uh, a little while ago, that maybe that makes the children feel like they can't come to me and they can't trust me. Because I had to, you know, on time, you remember this, and I've had to say many times, you can tell me, but I promise you, I'm not going to tell your father. But you, a person can say that, but if for years they come to you and you go and tell the father in hopes that the behavior will change, they're going to stop coming to you. And it makes sense. But at the time, I didn't clue in. And I, I know now that. Uh, because there's a fine line, you want to rectify things and fix things, but in situations like this, you can't, unless, unless it's truly um, dangerous. And even mm -hmm. then, sometimes I, you know, it's you really have to weigh the options. And that, uh, so essentially, I contributed to having the children be in the middle and be in the middle of the conflict, which was the last thing that I wanted to do. And that is something I think parents need to realize. Even though your intentions are good, mm -hmm. you could be just as culpable as the alienator and need to be aware of your actions, how they affect the children. It doesn't matter that I was trying to protect them. In fact, I was kind of throwing them into the lion's den again because then I had no control over things when they were over there. I had no idea if he would speak to them about it and say, you know, why did you tell mom? I, I don't know if he even said that, but I didn't clue in at the time and I wish I had it. So that's something people need to really think about. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes maybe it's a knee-jerk reaction too. You know, something happened and, you know, um, you know, like um, some people, some parents, you know, they'll, they'll go in their room and they'll talk on the phone to their friend and say, this is what's going on. This is what happened today. And, um, and then the kids might be listening at the door trying to hear what's going on. You know, um, mm -hmm. was that going on, do you think, in your case as well? Or No, I, it was just, it was just like direct, mostly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were, were you ever uh, angry? Did you have like an amount of anger in you because all of this was going on? Yeah, that was when I did like, when I had to keep the secrets in is it was tough. But then once I, I just learned to let them go, I didn't, I just stopped caring. Mm -hmm. So you kind of compartmentalized what you were feeling in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's part of why like, I, I don't really remember much of my childhood. I just... Mm. Hmm. I think that happens yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, I just think it's so unfortunate. And I think, um, you know, I do a lot of, uh, not purposely, but, you know, things will remind you of a childhood and, and I say, oh, I remember when this happened. And I know Ty sometimes doesn't remember. And, and I think to a certain extent, that's normal uh, in the sense that, you know, when you're really little, but, um, that is unfortunate and hopefully some memories will come back but i'm not too sure that's something that i don't think research has really looked at yet in terms mm -hmm. of is that something you can retrieve again and in some cases m memories are distorted based on the situations you know and uh, i think that's unfortunate but what i'm interested in too and and maybe it's too early to tell but for people like ty and other kids 
interesting the different coping mechanisms they establish on their own. I mean, they've had therapy, but a lot he's done on his own, it sounds like. And, and then how that either uh, detracts from, but most importantly, benefits them in life. Because, you know, we're all a function of our childhoods and no matter what's happened. But um, I'm interested to see, you know, like Ty, I don't know if you want to share some of the stuff you were talking about last night, but just some of your philosophies that I found fascinating. And, you know, for someone that's 18 years old to be so smart about certain things and has an interesting perspective, despite or maybe because of what occurred in his childhood. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of just like it came from I, I hated therapy. I didn't I didn't like it, never liked it. It was just kind of it, especially when we would it would be a new person like every year, every month, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just kind of like I'm, I'm telling a person I don't I don't know my problems and then I have to go do it again and again and again mm-hmm. and nothing helps out of it. It's it's them telling me their their issues or sorry their um their uh, what do you say how they could solve my problems but it just doesn't work like it doesn't work for me so I have to figure out my own ways and that's that's just kind of how I did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah it I don't know why they were switching psychologists on you because you should have one for continuity you know one that you click with because some people you know they, you go to one psychologist and you just doesn't work and then you try another one and maybe that one clicks and you get along with them real well and you stay with them for however long you want yeah i'm not sure about that either yeah so i i mean are you seeing one now no i don't think i ever will again (laughs) really (laughs) oh no (laughs) how come it just it's not for me like i'll figure out my problems myself i don't want to one have to pay for that and then too like it's just this doesn't help it's mm-hmm. i've i've figured out my own ways and i might as well do it that way if i can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you heard of a fellow his name is andrew falkler no i did a podcast with him last week and um he kind of went through what you went through and he's 21 i think he's 21 or 22 uh but um if you want to listen to him talk uh he has helped a lot of people and, uh, you know, um, you could even reach out to him, but he, he would, he would have all, I would say he would have all the answers and you're very young with a lot of wisdom. And so is he. So that might be something you might want to just reach out to him and say hello. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you want to listen to his podcast, he was really good. All right. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, did you find it hard when you, you couldn't see your mother or you couldn't see your dad at times? How, was it just a high frustration feeling? Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, go ahead. I, I don't really have much to say about that, oh. honestly. Yeah. Okay. Did you, I mean, as far as like anger issues, were you um, uh, destructive in any way? Not really. I guess I used sports as my outlet for that. So. Oh, good. No, that's good. So um, as far as like school, when you went to school, I mean, if you were having problems, would teachers listen to you at all or you just didn't talk to them? Oh, I, I, I learned later on, yeah, I should, I ask questions, but at the start, like from maybe till grade 11, I didn't really ask questions at all so 
So at your school, do they teach like a psychology class at all? I don't know. Some, some high schools do, some don't. Yeah, I think they do. Okay. Did they go over, um, you know, feelings of depression, anxiety, and personality disorders? Oh, no, I, I don't know. It was a, like a pre or like it was an option. So I didn't take that. Oh, you didn't? No. no. <laughs> Probably because you were, you didn't want to talk to any psychologists, right? No. <laughs> do you, do you know much about uh, <clears throat> personality disorders? Not really. No. Okay. Um, Remember a time when we talked about narcissism a little bit, and we, we talked about some narcissistic behaviors and that kind of thing, but we didn't go over too much about personality disorders in general. Okay, because yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of well, a whole bunch of them out there. There's bipolar, which is something you should you should know about, and borderline personality disorders as well. Because there are certain levels. You could have a high functioning borderline personality disorder. You could have a high functioning bipolar disorder. And you know, I don't know if you're dating, but be careful out there, and you you, you need to look for the red flags. And I don't know yeah. if anyone's gone over that with you at all. Um, no, but yeah, I'm I'm figuring it out. Okay, mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have to do some more work. And yeah, exactly. But you know, some of that too is is uh, you know I try not to lecture too too much, and we've talked a little bit about some things about some narcissism, and not even uh, even narcissistic tendencies, just in terms of things you need to watch out for. But you know, he I. He's, he's always been, ever since he was little, um, very observant, and both kids have. And, you know, I'm wondering if he has learned a lot through osmosis and through observing, you know, as a lot of kids do, right, uh, in terms of what he doesn't like, and it doesn't matter about the label. I wonder about that, and I'm sure we'll see once, uh, as he gets older. But it's, it's like you don't know what you don't know, but you also sometimes don't know what you do know. And I don't know, like, you know, I could sit here and, 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 and grill your tie, but he may not be able to articulate exactly what narcissism is, but I'm sure once he sees the behavior, he'd know that that's not something that he would want because he's see, he has seen it or experienced it um, or just, it just doesn't feel good and feel right. But um, you know, I, I feel like we don't do a good enough education or provide mm -hmm. enough education for kids when they're younger. And that's something that wasn't even on my radar growing up. Sure. You teach them manners, you teach them mm -hmm. to be good people and those kinds of things didn't even dawn on me, but to be fair, I wasn't that, fully aware either. I was kind of learning as I went, but you know, it'd just be great if we could do a better job in schools to give some more life skills to people. I would have myself loved to have known more about your red flags, but also get to know myself better and to look at my triggers and my issues and, and those kinds of things. So there, cause not everybody does like therapy. And to be honest, I used to be a big fan of therapy, but after a while I got fed up too, because you can only go so many times. It's like going mm -hmm. to any doctor you keep going and you don't get the diagnosis or you, you get one, but it's wrong. After a while, you just give up. And we sort of all did that because, you know, we did reunification, so-called reunification therapy. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it was called that, but it really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like to, to Ty's point, having to tell your story over and over again, to me, it's nonsensical, but also it can be re-victimizing. It's just hard to talk about it over and over and to start fresh again with everybody. But, you know, maybe if we do a better job of educating people when they're younger, we won't need to do that as much because we're a little bit more aware. Right, right. Um, 
you know, some people are fortunate to find a really good counselor and to um, the one woman I have been seeing, I've been seeing since 2014. She's awesome. Mm. I mean, you can swear with her. I mean, you could probably have a beer with her. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, she, she's so down to earth. It, it's like, yeah. you know, um, she was well aware of what goes on in, in the courts and parental alienation. And uh, she, she knew what to say. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about her. You know, and who knows, maybe, you know, a couple years from now, Ty, you might want to go to a counselor. You might run into a, a patch in your life where you want to talk to someone. But I mean, don't give up hope. There are good ones out there. Um, you know, the first thing to ask is, you know, do you uh, know about parental alienation? Ask the counselor. You know, you have to interview them to make sure they're right for you. Okay. You know? Yeah. And that's something, unfortunately, Ty didn't have the option to do, right? Right. It was all up to the parents. It was all up to me. And, and uh, you know, we had worked our way through the one that I wanted to see, uh, have the kids see that they, he, she had known them since they were little, couldn't because she was my therapist. And so yeah, uh, I was yeah. brought up there'd be a bit of a conflict. Um, but, you know, it's hard to find someone that really clicks. And, and I found that myself. But and, and you also have to be careful too. Like you said, you have to interview them because not every, people can say they are expert at it, but um, they may not be. You know, and I, I think there's an element too of, uh, you know, that individual you're talking about. I, I, I think the best kind of counselor would be somebody who has gone through the same situation or similar passion mm -hmm. so they can get it. There's that little extra element. And, you know, I've often wondered too if it makes a difference if the psychologist is male because, you know, when Ty was growing up, so like when they're in elementary school, every teacher is a female, every teacher, and they have a lot of surrounded by a lot of females, but not surrounded by a lot of male role models. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of elementary or junior high, he had some more. And I think that's an important element too. Also in psychology is um, even simple things like, you know, Ty was very active. And as we know, men and boys aren't a big fan of sitting one-on-one -on -one facing each other. I think there's that element too. I've often wondered, and I think it would be great if some psychologists, when they're especially dealing with young men, um, do something active. It may not be practical, but a walk or I don't know, something different. So you're not sitting face to face. There's that element that's not really um, uh, conducive to mm -hmm. the way ma males usually talk. You know, they'll talk over playing a game of pool or cards or I don't know, something or watching hockey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, whereas the way therapy is done is very female oriented, in my opinion, where we mm -hmm. sit and chat and talk about our feelings. And men, I hate to generalize, but, you know, Ty's talked a lot about that too, where, mm -hmm. You know, he's become very self-sufficient and I know we talked last night about whether or not that's like a good thing or a bad thing and um, it seems to work for Ty mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I don't know Ty do you do you feel that do you feel that's working yeah I, I think that uh, like with the role model thing I think we just don't really have like for guys you don't really have much it's you kind of just have to find your own way and that's why a lot of people my age a lot of guys my age really just like they're so confused they don't know where to go is because they don't have anybody to look look up to mm -hmm. well i think um if you want to reach out to andrew falkler um his picture's on you know the podcast he's wearing a purple shirt i think and he's very uh exactly what you said um self-sufficient and I don't, I don't think he is seeing 
a counselor. He said he's read a lot of books on this stuff. He's really knowledgeable. But um, if you ever wanted to reach out to him, he would be happy to talk to you. Okay. And um, I also did a podcast called, I know it's called Riley uh, Divorce Done Right. Okay. And uh, she talked about her process and, and she's probably a little bit older than you, but um, how it worked out with their family, you know, and every family handles this stuff so differently. Um, you know, some people just can co-parent well and some people can't and there's problems and there's nothing you can do, you know, and if you can hold it together, Ty, like you have been, you know, that's, that's a really, I think that's a good sign. Yeah. But, you know, as long as you're not holding a lot of anger and hurt and mistrust in, because um, at some point you've got to trust people. Yeah. That's a question I have actually, Ty. That, you know, um, what do you, or something, what, what is it that you think um, helped you become self-sufficient? I mean, we all develop our own coping mechanisms, but I was always concerned as the kids were growing up, as you and Keely were growing up, that um, so many people talk about when they're going through a traumatic situation, you can fall victim to, you know, drugs, alcohol, self-destructive behaviors. What was it with you? that made you steer away from that and go towards more positive views, self-sufficiency. Even if that means you don't trust people, we can work on that. But what, what made you go the other way? And I've never been able to figure that out. I guess just finding passions, like something to do. Like I, before was hockey. Now it's kind of like music and just trying to do creative things. And I think that's really what helped me. You're staying busy. You, you probably were staying busy a yeah. lot. What kind of music do you like? Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me? It's lagging a lot. I don't know. It's lagging a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah I just hope it doesn't cut out on us, but we'll just keep going. Um, what kind of music do you like? Um, more like rap, R&B sort of stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, do you play any instruments? No. Mm -hmm. Have you thought of like taking up guitar? Um, maybe yeah, later on. I don't really have time right now. Oh. I guess yeah. No, I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> so I didn't know about my son. <laughs> How about piano? What do yes. you think of piano? <laughs> yeah, I have a keyboard. Don't do it, Ty. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That would be way more fun than piano. I took piano as a kid and hated it, but I think oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah um guitar i love guitar but it's a painful instrument <laughs> it's very painful but once you get past that and you've got the calluses on your fingers you know you'll be fine <laughs> so like do you um do you have any siblings ty that yeah i have do, a sister do you get along good with her yeah mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not super close i guess but we're we're okay with each other uh-huh what what may, I mean, why do you think you're not super close? Um, I don't know. I guess over the past year, when she had a boyfriend too, I guess she kind of, she was like never home. I would see her like two times 
in a month like in a month so Mm -hmm. I guess that kind of that kind of separated us a little bit oh is she older than you yeah oh okay like how is how many years older than you two two okay well you know when when say oh go ahead go ahead mom oh I was going to ask was that a hard transition for you because oftentimes in alienated families um either it's just a natural progression or sometimes it's done deliberately to divide and conquer but um because you two were very very close growing up and some separation is normal as you get to be teenagers do your own things but um it seemed like from my perspective as a mom very polarizing so you're very close and then all of a sudden just opposite and like you said you hardly ever saw each other was that difficult for you was that transition difficult not really no i I think the only problem I had is he took my seat at the table. So that was it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Actually, not metaphorically. Okay. <laughs> so did you get along with her boyfriend? Not really, no. Oh, you hated him? Yeah. Really? Okay. How, come, how come you didn't like him? It's not doesn't have good values. They're not together anymore, so it's fine. But Oh, good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What what values did yeah. you see that he did not have? This wasn't really respectful, I guess, and uh, he didn't treat her like he should, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just more like the little things that you wouldn't do. So. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't like bringing her flowers, or you know. No, not even that. It's just like I wouldn't. I, I would offer to like clean my sister's windshield off in the winter and he, he wouldn't he just say sit on the blanket yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah he's yeah, got that us all yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, time for him to go bye-bye <laughs> yeah yeah well that's good I mean yeah. is she in school is she in college she's going into college now yeah mm-hmm. what about you are you yes. going in uh yes like next year mm-hmm. what do you think you're gonna major in i was gonna do uh emr i'm still like i i don't know yet but that's kind of kind of what i'm leaning towards mm-hmm. yeah both kids interestingly enough are seem to be heading towards helping professions so ty wants to be a paramedic and um keely wants to be a, a therapist and help I think children, but particularly people that have gone through trauma. So they each I find it interesting mm-hmm. that they both are navigating towards that. And yeah, things may change, but um, I, I just find that fascinating. And I, I, I think it's great. Uh, I feel very fortunate, despite what we've all been through, that these two have been strong enough and be able to work through things so that they can still have a great life. Because um, I would hate for them to not be able to move on and to create a career for themselves and a life for themselves. And um, it's unfortunate things happened the way they did, but mm-hmm. these two are really, um, you know, I watched them and I don't know if I would be as strong going mm-hmm. through what I went through. And, you know, I can't imagine, you know, I always liken it to, you know, when you're stuck in the middle and you're an alien family, essentially having to choose one parent or the other, that would be the same for me is if I had to choose Ty or Keely, if I could only choose one child to love or to take care of. I, I usually, when I think about it, it makes me almost burst into tears. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And so that I always remind myself of that 
that's what it's like for a child having to choose mom or dad, but it's worse because your mom and dad are supposed to take care of you. You know, I'm an adult and they weren't adults. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, when people are personality disorder, it's, it's oftentimes hard for them to see that, mm-hmm. but then sometimes the onus has to be on the other parent and we need to do a better job of education, the other parents as well too, as to how we can better, um, support these kids without making it worse for them, which in some cases I did do unknowingly, but, uh, it doesn't really matter what the intention was if the damage was done as well too. So in some ways you're no better off, but like I've said to my last boss podcast, I think there's a lot of pressure on parents like that to try and undo the damage and try to be the same parent. And there's a lot of emotion going on trying to be, I know I myself, I don't know if Ty, you noticed, but oftentimes I found myself trying to um, compensate. So whatever was going on over there, I tried to compensate, compensate for all the um, strife that was going on. And thank goodness, both kids were really great. I never had to worry about them, whether they were doing the schoolwork or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I didn't become a permissive parent, but I didn't say no a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, they never really asked for anything they, they should have said no to, but some kids could take advantage of that. My kids, for whatever reason, never did mm-hmm. and never played us against each other or anything like that. And mm-hmm. so, um, so we were lucky, but right. not everyone's as lucky because that's, that is a way for kids to cope. And uh, but that's hard for parents too. To, to handle that and to try and be a parent, especially when the other party is criticizing your parenting, saying you're not valid as a parent, but you're still having to be and not dump that onto the children. That's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a balancing act. Um, mm. And, you know, sometimes kids can pick up on that. And uh, I don't know if Ty, if you picked up on, you know, your mother's moods or, you know, now you're over at her house and you know, do you feel like you had to behave and, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I think with with oh. both parents, I had to with yeah. that. Like, and that's why uh, before I would kind of just sit in my room and not talk to anybody, mm-hmm. I guess, because I didn't want to have to be fake. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just like, I'll just go to my room and not deal with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, did your did your dad remarry? Yeah. Uh huh. And so do you do you get along with his wife? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um. What do you like uh, when you go over to your dad's? What do you what do you like to do over there? Honestly, not much. Like right now, I get I I just I just work and then I just like relax. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so. Well, that's okay. That's what you should be doing. You know, where, mm-hmm. where, well, where do you work or what kind of work do you do? I work at Costco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like it or hate it? I like it. Hate it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. What, what do they have you doing? Um, doing pa- I'm packing for people and then I'm cashing as well. And um, also outside sometimes do- pushing carts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a customer scream at you? Not really. They just get mad for no reason sometimes. But. Mm-hmm. And you just let it just roll off a, just roll off your back. Yeah, it's, more it... fu- it's more funny than anything. So. Oh, oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because when you become a paramedic, you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of things out of people's mouths. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> are you? Uh, yeah, are you? Oh, go ahead, mom. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So, like, are you uh, helping out at a fire department at all? 
No. No? Okay. Because I know, like, over here, we have, like, you know, EMTs, you know, like, if someone's interested in doing that, they'll hang around a fire department and go on calls with paramedics and help out type of thing. Yeah, I'm not too sure what, like, how that works yet, but mm -hmm. I'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few contacts that he can talk with and that are paramedics right now, so I think his... He just started at Costco. It's been a few weeks, and you know what it's oh. like when you're starting, right? And once he's past his probationary period, you can think about other things. But I probably quite a transition going from you know school to online schooling because he was a grade twelve mm -hmm. last year, getting used to that, and then starting work and, and doing different jobs. And then now this job, which is because his other jobs were um, have hit and miss; they weren't an everyday thing. And so it's mm -hmm. I'm trans. I you know I'm, I'm adjusting to that too because you know, he works at one to 10 or I don't see him as often as I used to. So mm -hmm. there's just a whole bunch of adjustments going on. But um, I guess if nothing else, one thing that, you know, our situation has taught us too is to adapt, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, you've got to adapt, you know, it's, it's uh, and it's what you do with the situation. You know, lots of things happen to people and I just don't want whatever's happened to define people. I just wanted mm -hmm. to, you know, you, you not to make the best of it, but learn from it. And it sounds like Ty has and to, mm -hmm. Um, figure out ways that work for him and uh, you know whether it's uh, you know being cautious about other people being cautious about getting into relationships in a sense to me that's not necessarily a bad thing that's uh, so many of us when we're young we don't know our own selves let alone other people and we're not as cautious as we should be I know that was the case in my case mm -hmm. but um, um, I because uh, I didn't have any of this strife when I was growing up it was a pretty mm -hmm. charmed childhood and sometimes you get a little bit too you're when you grow up in a bubble you don't really learn a whole lot i think mm -hmm. ty's age versus what i was like at 18 mm -hmm. too different i was i was very very sheltered i guess in a good mm -hmm. way but i had to learn a lot the hard way as an mm -hmm. adult whereas ty's learned it at a very young age what about the holidays how do you do you guys split the holidays and um does that i don't know is that still upsetting ty what do you think i mean i think uh took away a little a little bit of the magic of the holidays I guess like it was mm -hmm. it was tough like we didn't it was a lot of people say it's oh you have two Christmases that's great oh but it's really not it's mm -hmm. it's just one person or one a parent uh trying or both parents try trying to trying to fight for whoever gets gets the kids on the the day of the holiday mm -hmm. and then other person on the other side it's just it was just way more confusing than it had to be mm -hmm. like it could have been so much more simple so then we didn't have to deal with all the problems when it should be a happy time mm -hmm. what would you like what to have seen change the yeah. structure the structure like, like like split split up the day like like uh be at dad's in the morning and at one o'clock go to your mom's that way you see no, them both no more like just every year you switch over and over like mm -hmm. so one year you're at that one parents and then when you're at the other and do that with everything mm -hmm. because otherwise just so much more confusion it just makes it worse like it, it could have been so so much more simple than it, than it had to be okay so, so then what would what were you doing like on uh, for like holidays um so then were you at your dad's for a couple hours and then go to mom's or it, at the end, it did get to um, one year and then uh, one year at one person's house and one year at the other. But 
before that it was just kind of like up in the air mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just figured it out at some point and like I wasn't involved in a discussion because I didn't want to be so that's interesting because it was actually I said this is what I mean this is just fascinating to me because of we also have to keep in mind different perceptions and uh because you know Ty when you say there wasn't a structure that surprises me just because there was but only from my perspective not as a kid's perspective I can't imagine what it's like as a kid is what I did and this is where I made a mistake too early on we used to do um the back and forth mm-hmm. but I found um there was like I wanted something consistent for the kids so every year they knew Christmas would be such and such because there was so much of they didn't know where they were going to be and at the time my ex-husband um had I don't know if she, they were married yet or not but they had she had pieces and nephews that were roughly the same age as Keely and Ty and so they would all go to uh out of town to her family and they would all have Christmas together and this is where my I always wanted that as a kid and I thought it was so cool that they had cousins their age because I didn't have that and mm-hmm. neither did they until my ex-husband's wife came along and um I also so I thought this is perfect and my family was willing to adapt so I said from now on then every year you guys can go at Christmas there and then come back. I think it was the day after Boxing Day, then we'd have our own Christmas because mm-hmm. to me, Christmas is whatever day you make it, right? It doesn't really matter if it's the 25th or whatever. And so I thought at least that can give them as well as the parents one thing we don't have to fight over. Mm-hmm. And that kind of blew up in my face. It didn't quite work out that way. It seemed to work out, but then um, I don't know what party didn't like it, but uh, turns out, and it turns out it wasn't beneficial for the kids either. And I had no idea that I was doing the right thing. And that's the thing that um, I was trying to create structure, but in, in the end, there wasn't, you know what I mean? And I don't know what the answer is there, but other than just trying to understand, and the kids were quite young when we started that, but uh, that wasn't the best, best thing. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't seem like, it, it didn't turn out to be the best thing for everybody, even though the intentions were good. But again, intentions don't matter, right? Um, because it's still, I think, I don't even know if there is an answer really, like having to do two different Christmases. I used to have to do that and my family was intact. I hated going to two different houses at Christmas day to see both grandparents. It just got to be too much. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to two different parents' houses that I don't know if there is a magic formula really. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think there is, you know, um, it's, it's just hard to say because everyone wants to see your child at Christmas, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and here we also have Thanksgiving, which Canada doesn't. So that's one less holiday you have to fight over you guys, you know, we we do, but, but it's not as big as it is in the States. Yeah. It's not as big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we have the spring break and then we have summer and, and those things. um, I don't know, Ty, if, if spring break, not so much because I think how we did it is we split it, but for the summer we tried to have, um, we tried to continue our schedule, which we had an eight, six. So I had them choose it to Wednesday. And then my ex-husband had them from Wednesday to Tuesday and that continued except for two weeks holiday. They would go off and do their thing. We would have them for two weeks at a time. And then occasionally they would go off with their dad for another, I don't know, days or something like that. So that was consistent. The timing of that wasn't, but that was sort of our structure. And I don't know if that seemed to work for each tie or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it did. I mean, there wasn't really much structure in summer anyways. It's just, it was, I was fine with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen the film Erasing Family? No. I have. Do you want him to see it? Do you think he should see it? I wanted to when it first came out. 
I thought it would be good. I've asked both Keely and Ty if they wanted to, and at the time they didn't want to, and I was fine with that. And I think if one day they want to, I think it would be great. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm not going to, to push and force. I think um, mm -hmm. it was really good for me. Um, and there were a lot of kids in that movie too, talking about what it was like for them. And I thought it was fascinating to hear that's, um, it was pretty powerful to hear everyone's story is different, but the feelings are pretty much the same, it seems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a very interesting film. Um, you know, they're going to start showing it in schools. And I think they already have started showing it in schools here, over here. So, you know, um, it's just a very complex situation when everybody, you know, if, if people aren't getting along and, um, you know, even when I was, you know, 18, I, I didn't have a lot of friends that were, uh, had, that had parents that were even divorced. You know, all my friends, their parents were all still married. We're, I don't know if they were happy or not, but... <laughs> you know yeah. uh <laughs> yeah you don't know when you're that young you know you but exactly. uh <laughs> so well that's um, the thing i know when we first started you know we're going through the divorce process i i didn't know too many others that were either and didn't know many of the kids uh friends parents were but as we started to go along i found out about a few of them but i i, I too didn't know what their situation was like ty was saying earlier the kids didn't talk about it and some parents had me well, some I didn't, but nobody really talked about it. And that's part of the problem too. I mean, you don't want to, but the less we talk about it, the more shame there's involved. And then we're all battling this all on our own. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's better. Two heads are better than one. And as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel each and every time this happens in a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Trish, what do you think about, you know, your court system? Uh, flawed mm -hmm. what would you say Very much so um even like corrupt uh bias um collusion in some cases yeah you know you know in the states i know there's a lot of that and and like i mentioned before in, in canada we have an elect uh, an appointment process so there isn't an election process for judges so you can take that element of potential corruption away where there aren't these backdoor deals and buyer side deals. However, if one is to label it corrupt, I would say there's just a huge flaw in the system where judges are previous lawyers and mm -hmm. lawyers have done the research and lawyers are not taught any psychology. They are not taught in law schools about violence of any kind or abuse of any kind, mm -hmm. coercion or alienation, none of that. In fact, most law schools don't even uh, have a separate department for family law it's just something you fall into or go into mm -hmm. and you know it's so important it's more important than any other law you know maybe maybe criminal is just as important but we've got young minds mm -hmm. young kids that are involved in this and why we don't have psychologists and social workers more involved like israel does mm -hmm. you know it astounds me like it's great that they've changed the law this year there's some new elements up to it but you know when you have judges who um can choose whether or not they can get more education they're not going to you know i mean i find at least the ones that have spoken to me and that we've dealt with i found them to be very um there's a lack of understanding there's well they're true to their name they're judges they judge they don't try to understand what's really going on here they look at oh procedurally and they also they it seems like they determine whether they like the person or not whether they believe them or not 
and they don't understand the nuances of if I've been through a situation, I'm traumatized, I may not present well in court, but the narcissist will. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many cases of them siding with the nurse. I was fortunate in the sense that he's, our judge saw the, uh, based on the voice of child, the behavior that was going on. There was no labeling of anybody or anything, but just the behavior and that that needs to stop. Mm-hmm. And I just also wish though too, that the court would be better at saying this needs to stop, but this is how we stop it. This is how we treat it. it that didn't happen in our case. It was just a finger wagging and just stop it. Well, honestly, I mean, I can't speak for my ex-husband other than to say, I don't like, I wouldn't like to think that he's, he does certain things deliberately. I think if you asked him, you'd say, of course I love my children. Of course I don't want to hurt them. But there's certain elements, like certain behaviors that kept happening. But to be fair, nobody showed him how to change it. Nobody, and I'm not saying that they could, the onus was on him too, but we don't do a very good job of helping people, whether they're abusers or whether they have they're alienating, there's no outlet for them. There's no one to help them. And, and yes, oftentimes they don't seek that help, but I guess there's an expectation. And then there's no help on the other side either. Like I'm left holding the bag. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to fix this. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, we're failing families right across the board. And what bothers me is that I don't hear any judges speaking up about it. Very few, there's some lawyers that do, but it's mostly social workers and psychologists and people like myself and judges are like, that's their house. That's their company. That's, that's their domain. They should be speaking out and saying to the government, we need more funding or we need more funding. We need whatever. And stop admonishing people for using the court system that we are by law allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And that's our, that's our last vestige of help. We've tried everything else. And I'm so tired of it happened to myself and others, but they show up to court and First things out of their mouths are, why are you here? Why can't you just two get along? Like if it was only that simple, like help us, don't judge us, help us. Because mm-hmm. we're trying to do the right thing differently for our kids, right or wrong. We both made mistakes, but nobody helped. They just, it's about, it wasn't even about punishment. Like they did absolutely what I would love to see. And I wouldn't say they're corrupt, but what I would love to see is an interest in, is what they're doing helping families? Mm-hmm. First of all, what are they trying to accomplish? What's your, you know, KPI, but also turning around and saying, you know, can you get some information on that family? How did that work out for them? How are they doing? And actually care about whether their efforts are making a difference. And I don't see that. That's a hot button topic for me because I would never, like doctors are always doing that. Lots of professions do that, but judges don't. And I don't understand that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, some of them are with it and some of them aren't. Um, mm-hmm. I know attorney Ashish Joshi came out with his book, Litigating Parental Alienation, and hopefully that will help a lot of judges and attorneys. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a popular book, so I hope people yes. get it. I mean, it, it's mostly for lawyers, you know, um, mm-hmm. or, or maybe if you're pro se representing yourself, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a. I mean, no one wants to go through a divorce. It's a horrible thing. No one wants to go through this. Mm -hmm. We all want to live happily ever after. And that's really all we want, you know? Right. And when we just want, you know, a nice, happy family. And some people get that and some people don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and you have to do the best. And I I think it just doesn't help when, um, you know, judges will say that, we we're only as good as what the information we're given. And I think that the onus is on the lawyers too. And a lot of lawyers are trying to become more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. the effects on children. And that's the thing that we need to focus on. Like really, is it about the best interests of the children? Because if it is, we need to change things. And you know, in, in, in the States, 
the corruption, I, I can't wrap my head around that still. I, I don't understand how, um, maybe it's because we don't have the faces of our children in the courtroom and we don't have the children in the courtroom and I don't, I'm not a proponent of that, but I think it's easy when they're not around for judges to forget that we're actually talking about children. We're not talking about assets. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about mom hating dad or dad hating mom. We're talking about kids at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. I know it's been a long time since we've all been kids, but like, I know when I talk to people, I try to bring the concept into their world. So mm -hmm. like I said before, it would be like me choosing one child over another. I don't know of anyone who could do that, but we ask kids to do that every day. Who do you want to live with? Voice of, you know, kids have a voice, yes, but they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think we're so directionless up here. And, uh, you know, everyone's so excited about the changes of the Divorce Act, and that's lovely, but laws don't change people. It has to be done at the grassroots level and also at the judge level. And same over where you are, you know, at least they're in some states, they're looking at, say, coercive control, and that's being looked at. Well, that's part of legislation. I'm not too sure if it's going to translate into the court system yet, whether judges are mm -hmm. going to actually look at that. I don't know. So we'll yeah. see. Our, our big problem over here is accountability. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you've got parents just uh, defying visitation orders and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not we fair. That too. It's, yeah. So I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see how things go. But, um, yeah. you know, Ty, you seem really well adjusted. And um, do you have a lot of friends you hang around with? No. No, you used to. Oh, well, probably because they're working too, right? They're, they probably have jobs and... Yeah, I just, I just don't talk to them. No need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, does that make you lonely? Nope. I like being mm -hmm. alone. I've okay. gotten used to it and it's, been, it's better for me, I think. I can figure mm -hmm. out my own stuff, not have to worry about other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes that's a good thing. It's, it's good to have one or two close friends, you know, to hang around with. Um, maybe you'll meet some nice people to hang around with and, um, in the future, you know, through your job, maybe you might, you know, and also, you know, when you become a paramedic, you know, you'll meet friends and, uh, groups of people to hang around with too. Yeah. Just kind of hard right now, I guess, especially with the pandemic, you can't really like meet people or anything so yeah it's hard on everybody i can't imagine for you young people it's it's harder on you young people i think than it is like for someone like me i'm you know i'm a homebody you know <laughs> but <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah because over here we're we're not even allowed to have anyone in our homes we still are only allowed to have uh, a gathering i think unless it's changed today of 10 people outside so, um, and it's still too chilly for that. So right. we haven't seen our family and got together with the family. So to get together with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or friends or date, it's near to impossible, especially mm -hmm. during the winter. I mean, that just, everyone just sort of kind of falls away and you have to fend for yourself. And it sounds like that's what Ty's doing. You know, even if it is lonely, you don't have a choice right now. Right. Well, you know, as long as you're self-sufficient, you're staying busy, you know, you can't go wrong if you're stay if you're staying busy. <laughs> yeah. That's all you can yeah, do. Productive. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, Ty, do you read any books at all that are uh, interesting to you? No, I I don't read. I don't have enough I don't have the attention span for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yet. Probably it's a lot there, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> well, probably with, with like how, how many hours do you work a week? Uh, 40, a little bit more sometimes. Oh, well, that's, that's why you don't have time to read. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, really? that's a lot of hours. Oh, yes. You know, what do you think of the working world? I mean, you know, now that you're out in it. I like it. It's, it's been a huge change from like school because it's kind of like in school, same point in life. And it's kind of boring, honestly. There's mm-hmm. not really much diversity, I mm-hmm. guess. And then when I went, move out into especially not just doing one job, but a couple of other ones, I've got to meet a lot of interesting people. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys would like to come back on the podcast again, if you want to, for some updates. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want yeah, to, Ty, goes, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to do force every, him. Every so often and every five years. Yeah. yeah. No, no. He'll, he'll be honest. He's pretty honest. He'll, uh, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll tell it like it is. Well, that's good. Okay, Trish, um, how can you be reached if people want to reach you? Do you want me to just use the same? Um, sure, email? yeah. On my website uh, or the email at trishguys.com or uh, my email is trish at trishguys.com, either way. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to read the outro and you guys stay on. Is there anything else you'd like to add, either of you? Nope. No. No. Ty, what would you tell someone in your position um, that has gone through what you've been through? I guess just stick to yourself, like what, what you believe and be, just be honest, honest about what you want and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you'll get, you'll, you won't be a pawn in anybody else's game, I guess. That's, that's very wise. That's really good. That's excellent. Well, okay, I'm glad to have you both on. Okay, Slam the Gavels. Oh, definitely. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with Trish, or Trish and Ty, and other guests. So thank you so much, Trish and Ty. Thank you. Thank you.